Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with Galway Film Flab Programme Director William Fitzgerald. So this year's festival is a very different affair to past years and will take place now online from the 7th to the 12th of July. So you'll be able to check out the full lineup on galwayfilmfla.com. Thank you so much for chatting with us. No problem. Um, glad to, to be here and to do it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're delighted to have you in. Now, it's it's been a strange year for the Irish film industry and you um, you guys at the, the Galway Film Flat have definitely kind of suffered at the hands of, of what's kind of impacting it, everyone across the board. But it's, it seems like a brilliant lineup and people are um, very excited about it. So it's 40% of its normal size. Um, this year yeah. and is that is that was that just a like you know people are kind of saturated you want to cut them down was that a, a conscious decision where you guys were like okay we have to pick the absolute best and, and perfect things because people's attentions are limited or did you think it suited the format better what was the decision behind that the purpose yeah it was yeah the this year's program is about 40 percent of the normal size and that's because um I guess, well, we're not, you know, all together physically. So kind of, you know, at a physical FLA, even though, you know, some of the audience would be over in this cinema and the other would be in the other cinema and the other one would be, other percentage of the audience would be down the rowing club. Even though, like, we might all be apart, we're still kind of existing in the same general space. We're still at the same festival and we're still going to socialize together at the end of the day. And the online element kind of removes that. So we kind of looked at like what's the most that we can show that isn't going to yeah like d- split audience attention um, and and just saturate people all together. It's a pretty packed program as it is. I kind of have to say, but um, yeah, we're trying to focus um, audience attention on kind of one film at a time. So yeah, it, like put, putting on a hundred features just wasn't going to work this year. <laughs> um, it, you can't really you know manage your your community online when you're um, splitting people's attention in so many directions so we really focused in on um, the key we kind of you know as ever with the FLA we decided new Irish cinema was going to be the backbone of it so we looked at what the best Irish program we could put together and we kind of let that inform uh, everything else like um, what did that what room did that leave in the schedule for other films and yeah we ended up with the program that has about it has 39 um, new features 74 shorts and then a bunch of live events as well. So it is paired back. It's also pretty intense for five days um, <laughs> online. So yeah, we hope people enjoy it. Yeah, it looks it looks like a, a great kind of and a great mix of of offerings as well. And um, what was it like kind of coming up to it and then <laughs> watching everything kind of unfold? What was the, talk me through the decision process of going online and when you knew it would happen? Um, I suppose we knew. Well, we knew early on that it had to be an option anyway, if not the option, like back in, I suppose back in March, like we had just, you know, kind of come back from Berlin and I've been at Glasgow as well. And those festivals happened and there was no real panic about the virus at that point, but it was in the air, it was in the background as like a possible thing. And then it's amazing how only just kind of like two weeks back from those festivals where, you know, you've been meeting people from all around the world and shaking a hundred different hands and hugging people and stuff and then we were in big, just, big rooms of, of kind of yeah like think of the, you know the, the EFM in Berlin and how crazy packed that is um, um, and yeah and then it was just a completely different world two weeks later 
and I think we we probably knew that we weren't going to have a physical festival in July pretty early on. We did look at postponement, but we kind of knew that even if we postponed it, we'd still be having like social distancing would still be in place, um, even if it was August or even September, probably. Um, and we didn't really want to have a socially distant festival. We were kind of like, that's not very fla like. <laughs> um, we're a very sociable festival. So that didn't really work for us. And so when the online solution presented itself, because obviously this is all very dependent on technology as well, and our digital solution, which is a partnership between Shift 72 in New Zealand and Festival Scope here in Europe, uh, that was kind of born, born out of CPH docs. And we kind of realized, okay, well, it still won't be social, but at least we will all be together in an online space, you know? So, and, and we, we thought, what the hell? <laughs> the FLA's kind of been at the vanguard of things in the past. Um, why not try this out um, and see? Um, and then from there, it was kind of lots of troubleshooting, trying to predict audience behaviors. Because, you know, trying to predict not just stuff like, you know, people are used to Netflix and the idea of renting movies at home now, but we're trying to predict, you know, they'll, they'll have been in lockdown for three months by the time the FLA rolls around. Are they going to be sick of this? You know, when we got to like the end of April, everyone was already sick of Zoom and we were like, oh, you know, um, how's that going to work for the live elements we want to incorporate? Um, I know it's like stress, we're on Zoom now, but I completely... (laughs) (laughs) It's just been like a lot of Zooms. (laughs) It's unnecessary, but I've come to like, like it's still better than, you know, not like, I don't know, I'm a millennial, so I don't talk on the phone either. So, (laughs) and uh, yeah, and then... So trying to predict that audience behavior, like I said, like I was talking about before, trying to put the schedule together, we were like, can we, do, can we just focus on one film at a time? But then the, the program would actually have been very threadbare. So we actually had to walk back that a little bit. And now what we're doing with the number of features is like you have some element of choice, like you can kind of either, there's generally either one or another film that you can watch at any one time. And there's a playback window for all of them as well. So it's not like you have to watch with everyone else, but we're trying to curate it in such a way that everyone watches together. So you maintain the communal experience a little. So yeah, there's just been so much troubleshooting, trying to predict failing in a lot of instances as well and learning as you go. Um, And we'll see what happens. It's, you know, (laughs) from on July 7th. Yeah, but the response online seems to be people are very excited about it. Like I've, I've yeah. seen people have like remote drinks on Facebook and, and even for the launch and at toasting down. Like what has the kind of tentative audience response been so far? Yeah, it has been overwhelmingly positive to be fair. And we're really happy to see that. And, you know, it's the most accessible the flower will ever, has ever been to date um, because people can tune in from all over the country. So that's great. You know, yeah, like if we were doing this all over again, we'd probably do so much differently to, to in the planning of it. But um, we're a small team and I think that we've got this far is kind of amazing. So, yeah, I think I think we've we've struck a nice balance between the size of the program and between the live elements that we can offer people like we're trying to, you know, like you said, with audiences having drinks at home um we're trying to work in as many live elements as possible so that you still feel like you're at um a festival yeah but we could do, we could do with a couple of dozen clones of ourselves of ourselves to to realize all of this but uh <laughs> that you need is that not always the case at every festival everyone's gonna run ragged absolutely um okay so so Tan, we'll go now to the to the lineup so tell me um some of your topics what are, what are you very excited about 
Oh, the dreaded question. Because um, they're all my babies, so <laughs> I... <laughs> Which is your favorite child? Like, let's be honest, we all have one. <laughs> no, no favorite children. I think the like the, the doc lineup is particularly strong this year. Uh, Pat Collins' new doc, Henry Glassy, is really amazing. I think, I hope people kind of sit down to watch it in the intended slot that we went with, like on Sunday afternoon. It's a perfect Sunday afternoon, like lazy Sunday, kind of just letting it wash over you. It's a beautifully meditative doc. It's a real, you know, one that you want to give yourself over to. So I'm excited for people to to see that. There is, uh, let's see, The Tribe of Gods. Um, that's from Lord Jordan, who people might remember from um, Turning Tide in the Life of Man. And that's all about the residents of Tory Island, their continued kind of struggle for Islanders' rights, um, their lack of representation um, in Dublin um, and in Europe, and the kind of schism between the two. Um, as well as being sort of a character study as well of the, the last king of Tory Island, um, Patsy Dan Rogers. The Eighth, our opening film, is a terrific doc. Even though the referendum wasn't that long ago, it's amazing how the film can take you kind of by the hand from the beginning of, of that campaign um, right through the, to the end with some of the, the leaders of the Together for Yes campaign and then just sort of leave you in, a, in an emotional wreck at the end. And it's very timely considering we just have a new government. They're about to look over the, I mean, it's just almost yeah. coincidental that this has happened now. They're going to renew and review all of the legislation that was put in soon enough. So it's it's good to, <laughs> to be reminded. Yeah, it's actually uncanny how prescient a lot of the films in the lineup are. I mean, um, you know, obviously police corruption, uh, particularly in the US, has been a huge talking point of the last couple of months and we have two documentaries from Northern Ireland. One, is, one of them is The Sheriff, which is about the local sheriff elections um, in North Carolina and it's, you know, it's, it's a kind of microcosm of Trump's America in this one uh, sort of docu-study. Um, and then the other being uh, Trevor Burney's North Dakota Entrapment Tapes, which is sort of, uh, is a perfect demonstration of how crime can actually be a symptom of over-pleasing, you know, and sort of the, it becomes a self-defeating exercise. But I won't go on like about docs either. I mean, there's so many great new dramas. Our, the, the Irish lineup has got um, a whole bunch of first features, which is amazing. Like the Winter Lake is the, the first feature from Phil Sheeran, who people remember from his, his great short film work. You know, that's got Emma Mackey, Michael McElhattan, Charlie Murphy, Anson Boone. Really dark kind of mystery job, like written by David Turpin. So people who have seen The Lodgers will kind of have a, an idea of what's in store. Yep, we'll both be chatting with them. So keep a, keep an ear out for a podcast coming up soon. Oh, brilliant. That as well, yeah. Cool, cool. And yeah, there's uh, more first features. Like we have uh, Natalie Biancheri's first um, feature, or well, first feature drama, Nocturnal. Uh, that's got Cosmo Jarvis in it. Lauren Coe, who... People, people might recognize her, kind of like, oh, is, you know, that's that actress from that thing. She was like, in, like called the midwife and lots of other things. But I think this is a breakout role for her. Like she's really, I think this is a, a role where she's kind of come into her own and, you know, will make heads turn. And Cosmo as well, he's, this is his second kind of almost name for himself in Irish cinema because I, I think I, I watched Camel Horses and I didn't even know he wasn't Irish. So. Yeah, I know. It's mad, isn't it? And he brings that same sort of raw physicality that was in Cam with Horses to this as well. Um, it's a kind of a powerful, you know, acting tool that he has, but he also has the smarts to not, to you know, to wield it sort of at the right times. You know, he's, I th I, yeah, just a great actor, you know, and, and Natalie uses him to, to great effect. 
um, in this as well. It makes me really excited to see um, Wolf when that eventually comes underway because, yeah, as a debut drama, it's a, it's a really terrific character study. And what in the realm of new voices? So is there anything very unusual that or niche that people should look out for? Yeah, um, I mean, in terms of new voices, uh, well, taking both the, the new voice and the niche box, um, Redemption of a Rogue uh, is one people won't want to miss. You know, Philip Doherty, I think he's, his background in theatre really comes to the fore in this film when you see it. It's visually, um, it's highly original, um, as well as the, the tone, like the black comedy in it. And again, like I mentioned, the, the, the kind of theatrical visuals, it's, um, it's a highly original piece of work and a, a great accomplishment for a first, direct, uh, first feature director. And it's particularly as well for uh, first feature producers, Emma Foley and Tamron Rick, uh, who produced it. I hope I'm pronouncing her name, her surname correctly, but <laughs> for a, a trio um, of first feature producers to, to make this brilliant film in Cabin. Yeah, you gotta see it to, to believe it, you know, um, it's great. There's some more great Irish films coming up as well. Can you do Yeah, um, there's so much more. Um, like I said, 17 Irish films in total. So um, I mentioned a lot of the docs, but we also have features like uh, Here Are the Young Men, the new film from Owen Mackin. That's just bursting with young uh, acting talent from Ireland and the UK. People like Ferdy Walsh-Pilo um, and Finn Cole and Dean Charles Chapman, uh, Lola Pettigrew. Um, and Anya Taylor-Joy is in it as well, who people will know from... Um, Robert Eggers' The Witch and, um, you know, The New Mutants and stuff. Let's see, we also have a great Irish um, Lithuanian co-pro, The Castle, from Samson Films. And that's uh, the first feature uh, debut by the Lithuanian director, Lina Lezait. It's a, it's a really great, it's such a, you know, kind of new generational cinema that we want to see about uh, first generation uh, coming of age stories set in Dublin. You know, in this case, a Lithuanian teenager living in Dublin. Um, wanting to work in music. Um, it's a really sweet story and funny also as well in a lot of places. Great Irish features like, you know, we're showing some festival favourites as well that um, had about before the pandemic hit, but whose, you know, distribution and cinema plans have obviously been interrupted. Um, films like Broken Law, Rose Place Julie, Rialto. Um, we're going to close the flower with Arox this year. What a, a terrific new documentary, Tomorrow is Saturday by uh, Gillian Marsh who people might not be familiar with her work, but having worked in uh, television for a lot of years, she's produced a great feature about the artist Sean Hillen from Newry, and um, he struggled with Asperger's. Gosh, what else? There's um, lots of Irish talent in a new Canadian horror that we're showing called The Curse of Audrey Earnshaw, um, set in an Irish settlement, um, a remote Irish settlement in Canada. And the, um, uh, the actress Catherine Walker plays the mother of this woman who's suspected of witchcraft. Gosh, well, yeah, I could just keep going, but yeah, <laughs> 17 new Irish features, so it's just, it's packed, you know. Wow, that's some, some lineup. And I also want to go to the shorts. So again, that's always the staple and a highlight of the flat every single year. That's, again, it's the kind of, the place for new voices and you kind of, you can, it's where you can kind of sense things changing a little bit. Did you find themes or anything were different this year in the work that was submitted? Um, I won't say they were different, but like you're right in that it is, it, it's, it's, it's different from the features in that I feel like it's definitely, um, you get more of a mix. The shorts are generally more on the vanguard of things. They're less afraid to tackle some of the, you know, the on the nose subjects of the day. So yeah, I think the shorts are terrific, not just for that being like a fertile discovery ground for, for new talent, 
but also in terms of being fearless, you know, in terms of the, you know, um, I don't know if we can swear on these. It's going to say like, the fucking attitude, let's go for this, let's do it. So yeah. And then uh, also in terms of it being a discovery ground as well, I think the, the great thing about the fly is we have such, um, you can see the, um, the rise of certain filmmakers as well. So, you know, uh, like just off the top of my head, um, uh, James Fitzgerald from Skunky Dog has got another short in the fly this year, um, Invisible Boy. Um, and that's the kind of progression that you love to see, you know, going from one short to the next, um, building that, that body of work um, and that career. And I'm sure, you know, we'll see lots of people in this year's program helming their first feature before long. That's very exciting. Every year, it, it kind of almost has a slightly different flavor, the, the, the films kind of like as, as a whole. What would you kind of quantify the flavor of this year's film, this year's festival? That is something I've been struggling with, to be honest. It's because it is such a mix and because we also, we co-curated this year's program, at least large parts of it, uh, as our project for um, the European Capital of Culture this year, which is uh, Galway 2020. We embarked on a project called Peripheral Visions, the idea being to network with other European festivals and sort of build some common ground and share resources for you know intelligence and um, for um, strategizing in Europe. And to make a sort of, make a creative output out of it, we co-curated this competition that we had in the works for the physical festival of, of 12 features from all the different member festivals of the network. But then of course, when COVID happened and we cut our program way back, well, we still decided to, to keep it as part of the program. So we have, you know, a, a large co-curated section of the festival this year that I don't want to stand over and say, well, this is what all the films are about because what you're actually getting is a beautiful mix of European voices. Um, and one from French-speaking Canada <laughs> um, in there as well. So um, I generally feel like I, we, in the early days when we were announcing this program and the shift to online, I was kind of using coming together as a kind of theme for what these films were about and for the way that we put the program together. That was sort of co-opted by a lot of government speak for, you know, coming together during a crisis and we're all this together and blah, blah, blah. So um, I'm hesitant to say that anymore. But uh, the fact is, it's true. Uh, we all came together to pull off this amazing event. Um, our programming was a united effort by a network of festivals and programmers. Our Irish program is a, is a coming together of all the filmmakers who are willing to take this leap with us. Like, understandably, people were hesitant at first about, you know, oh, putting my work online. I don't know about that. It's risky. There's security issues. And in the end, you know, 17 of, uh, of our homegrown filmmakers took the leap with us and have put their, are going to put their work out there uh, online during this online flaw. And I just think, you know, that's amazing. And that's, that's to me has been the through line of the, of the festival is, um, you know, a unified effort um, to pull this off. Would this impact any future flats? Is there, or maybe there are things that you take from the online forum that maybe you could continue into the 2021 festival, do you think? I would love to say yes. And um, I think we'll try, um, but obviously there's also a huge cost issue to doing all this. You know, I think <laughs> quite naively at the beginning and going back to the planning of it all, we probably thought like, oh, we'll save money doing this because there won't be travel expenses and, um, you know, all that kind of thing. 
But it uh, turns out building your own bespoke online streaming service is actually really expensive. <laughs> um, and the same for doing, um, you know, building your own online marketplace. The, the resources, the digital resources that are required, the, the digital staffing resources as well, it's, um, it's been a lot. So I don't think it's possible to do both the physical and the digital at the same time going forward, but we would love to because there's been loads that we've learned. Some of the tools, the platform is incredibly handy. We love the accessibility of it, the fact that it's so open to the rest of the country now. But yeah, it's, I think cost is going to be the deciding issue in that. There'd be a big gaping hole in the industry summer if there was no festival. And I do think as well, like you do get tired of online events, but I, there is something just about the flat that every single year people are like, yay, <laughs> looking forward yeah. to it. And even if it's the case that we all press play the same time in our own houses and maybe secretly text, I suppose you can't text in a cinema normally. So we like, I love Yeah, there is that. Um, we won't be throwing anybody out of their own living rooms for texting and, you know, watching at the same time. But uh, if you are going to text on your phone, at least, you know, use hashtag film flat to like post online and then we can like, you know, that's how we'll build the community. That's how we're going to take the questions uh, to pass on to the filmmakers during the Q&As. So yeah, the, all, of the, all of that communal flash stuff will all uh, live online. You know? Brilliant. And actually, that was a big question of it, is your um, fabulous kind of online live events and Q&As. Uh, so you do have some very cool people. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, um, looking forward to a lot of the panel discussions that we have lined up. Um, I think everyone's dying to hear you know, the, the future of uh, production and distribution talks that are going to happen as part of the FLA Forum um, and got some big names lending their insight there as well. The Music of Normal People is going to be a fun panel, um, I think. And uh, a lot of the conversations um, I'm really looking forward to as well, like um, with uh, Nicole Holofcener, who I think is just an amazing independent filmmaker, you know, has made some, like, you know, it was so sad when Lynn Shelton passed away this year and I think she's there, you know, filmmakers of the same caliber who really capture that great indie spirit who make the kind of cinema that we want to see that big studios aren't necessarily producing. And she talks a lot about that in her screenwriting conversation, you know, about how to produce content that audiences want when there's such a demand to make, you know, fast paced, uh, you know, superhero uh, content. So everyone that's come on board is yeah there to offer really great insight. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to those panels as well. Um, and just the, to the everyday Q and A's, it's, it's bittersweet. I would normally get to meet some amazing people on stage at the Town Hall Theatre. Um, sometimes it's my very first time meeting them is when they come up to take the mic to answer the questions. This year it's going to be over Zoom, but what about it? <laughs> um, you know, that's how I meet. That's how I meet. And hopefully we'll see them again at a future flaw. Yep, that's it. And I'd say people are, people are, are very, very excited. So where festival is from the 7th to the 12th of July. So make sure to get your tickets for anything that you want there. Is it possible for them to sell out? Yes, yes. There's only 400 uh, tickets for each film. That's the capacity of the Town Hall Theatre. So we kind of made that decision early on. Um, you know, there was a number of things that we kind of had to decide on to kind of safeguard the security of the films and also their longevity after the flowers that can continue to travel to other festivals. So one of them was the geolocking, which I know isn't popular with everyone in international territories. A lot of our regular international delegates um, we're really disappointed. Um, even though we have a we have an international um, registration for for industry and for delegates, um, we have a lot of fans who would normally come from abroad who unfortunately can't be with us this year. But it's just a necessary security precaution. And the other big safeguard is limiting the amount of tickets. So early on, we decided that 400 tickets, the capacity of the town hall theater, that's what it's going to be. So yeah, I can't emphasize enough because it's 
open to the entire country for the first time, how quickly tickets are going to sell out. So um, I would get on that. Yeah, get on it. So that's GalwayFilmFla.com. Yeah. Get your tickets there. And the hashtag? Hashtag FilmFla. FilmFla. Perfect. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you. Um, yeah, appreciate it. And um, I will see you online, um, I imagine, next yes, week. Yes, indeed. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be hashtagging.